close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to The Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to The Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 94, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing well, Brendan. How are you doing? I am good. I'm glad I remembered that this is episode 94 and not last episode, where I also called it episode 94. Oh, did you really? I did. Apparently, <laughs> I have sustained blows to the head or something. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Thankfully, no one called me on it, which was nice. So well, I it, didn't even notice. Let's yeah, be honest. Well, yeah. Of course. I, yeah. I flagellated myself repeatedly over the course of a week. Of course was, you but, did. Of yeah. course you did. I tried to fix it. I thought, should I re-record it? No, just never mind. And then you suddenly realized, oh, wait, no one cares. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to my life, Ian. Welcome to my life. I think actually that could probably cure 98% of your anxiety. Yes, you yeah. are probably right. Yeah, I, I hear you. Mine too. I get it. Apart from that, I'm excited for another slate of listener stories. We have got so much good stuff. Uh, we have 10 stories this time mm-hmm. around. On a less happy note, uh, we wanted to say uh, get well to Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not feeling very well. Hopefully not the turducken. Well, he tangled with Nessie and now he gets the fangs. Oh, so true. Right? Yeah, came, came back from Loch Ness. That, this, mm-hmm. is, this is what happens, Larry. This is what this happens. is what happens. Well, Luke, <laughs> get better. We, uh, we'll be waiting for you. Don't, yep. uh, don't die. And if anyone wants to take Luke's place, please. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> send resumes to Yeah, send resumes to <laughs> No one would work for what little we pay him. Shh. He does, it, <laughs> he does it for the love of the job. Of course he does. And minks like to be made into coats. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Those are two world truths. Let's hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> and uh, I said, I guess on another serious note, I just wanted to take a, a moment to uh, shout out a family friend who is facing down a situation that I'm, well, we're all going to face down one day. Mm-hmm. Everyone calls him Kubi. And I hope he doesn't mind me, me saying this because he's a private guy. But uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to that guy because he is staring death literally right in the face and his biggest concern is how you're doing you know he's a good dude and so i he's out there fighting a good fight yeah and you know he's been a part of my life for as long as i've been around i we're not real close but you know i've always i've always known him Mm -hmm. and so uh dude you're out there i can't imagine you're ever gonna listen to this that's fine uh but still we can all learn something from you Mm -hmm. and that is if you got to go down Go down swinging. That's right. All right. Now, how do you how do we bring it up after that? Well, now we're going to talk about some ghost stories. <laughs> dark. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> that is dark. Yeah. There's no there's no good transition. There. There's no good transition. <laughs> the number you have called is taking a break, and we'll be back with cold feelings in the night. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Welcome back. 
as we said before the break, we have another great selection of listener stories lined up for you. Mm-hmm. But before we get there, we wanted to touch on something we mentioned on the mini show uh, last week, which is, that's right, we have a mini show. If you haven't listened to it yet, please. Why do. not? Oh, yeah, exactly. Explain <laughs> yourself, young person. Uh, but no, we, yeah, we have mini shows now. They are coming every other week. So essentially, Ghost Story Guys is coming to you weekly, which mm-hmm. I never thought we'd do. Which we always said we would never do. Ian, you think I'd learn by now? <laughs> stop saying never. <laughs> I can't wait for your first child. Fuck. <laughs> In the face. In the face. In I'll the be face. like, see, Brandon, see? Isn't it great being a 40-year-old dad? In the face. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sorry. You were saying. (laughs) Yes, thank you. But as we mentioned on the mini show, uh, there was one night where you and I were were hanging out quite late and everything just had a strange feel to it. Mm -hmm. Well, after that episode dropped, one of our listeners, Athanasia, she got in touch saying that the same night they'd been having issues at her place. Yeah, that's so odd, eh? Like, In a way, it's comforting to know it wasn't just you feeling that, but I mean, I'm sorry to hear people having problems. Me too. I mean, again, I'm, I'm selfish, so I'll take the, uh, I'll take the comfort, but I thought we'd read a little bit of Athanasia's messages. Yeah, go for it. She says, you had mentioned that it felt like with the smoke that something was stretching its legs. And I completely get that. The day you were asking if anyone else was experiencing strange things is the day all this happened. Last week, our septic backed up on top of the... No, yeah, never that, a good thing. That's why I'm glad I'm not a homeowner. Yeah. <laughs> Until you've had shit floating in your shower, you really haven't lived. <laughs> or partied, really. <laughs> and the septic guys were coming in the afternoon. I work from home and my dad lives in a different town, but as they own this house, my dad was coming up to take care of the septic guys so I didn't have to take time from work to deal with them. As I mentioned, we had a flood at the house, and as such, we have restoration guys working on my suite to get it livable again. They usually come in the morning, but this morning they didn't because the mudding was still drying. She goes on to say she has an alarm system that makes a a beep boop noise when a door or window is opened. Mm -hmm. And usually she doesn't hear it from this particular room unless it's particularly quiet, but she did distinctly hear it. So she assumed the restoration guys were there. About 10 minutes later, when she hadn't heard their voices or tools, which is normally quite loud, she thought perhaps her dad had arrived from Up Island and set about digging out the septic later and using the bathroom. She says, I went out and checked and the garage door was closed, but I could see that it was unlocked. I called but got no answer. I checked in my suite and outside in the front and backyards, no vehicles, no dad, no restoration workers. It was then that I got chills because I was sure I locked that door. I do it out of reflex at this point, but decided that perhaps I'd just forgotten. I went to lock the door when I remembered that my dad doesn't even have keys to the house anymore because they're in the lockbox for the crew. I locked the garage door and went back into my room to work, but something kept nagging at me. How did I hear that chime? A door has to open or close for me to hear it, and my sweet door sensor was removed because they have it open for restoration. That leaves the door to this room and the garage door, but the door to this room was open. The garage door has a piece of wood on the bottom of the frame that makes the door stick. It doesn't blow open with the wind. So the only conclusion I could come to is that I either imagined hearing the chime, or something was wanting to draw my attention to notice I'd left the door unlocked. I ended up sending my mom a text message about it because it was so strange. She goes on to say, the entire day felt sticky. I kept feeling like something was watching me or trying to get my attention. And overall, it was an awful day with work and the septic and everything that goes along with household stress. And this is this part's really interesting because I feel like something like this happened to me recently and I kind of dismissed it. But when she, when she mentioned it, it, it brought it back to me. Right. 
She says, that evening I was supposed to call my mom, and I'd been lost in playing Super Mario 1 and 2 on my Switch to escape from the day, and when I finally checked my phone, it said 9.50. I stopped the games and called my mom, apologizing for calling so late. We had our talk, and then they ended the call, and when I hung up the phone, I noticed that the time said 8.12. I was shocked because I thought it was well after 10 p.m., and I know I had seen my phone say 9.50. I called my mom back and told her about the second strange thing, and we tried to figure out what it all could have meant. Since the smoke has lifted, it has felt completely different. You and Ian are absolutely right about there being something to that smoke taking up space. It felt like when someone sketchy is in your neighborhood, trying all the locks and all the doors, trying to find a way in. So thanks for sharing that with us. And it really did feel all fucked up mm-hmm. 100%. that whole week. Yeah. And I mean, I, I always attribute at least some of this when we have things like fire smoke to just my general end of world anxiety. Right. <laughs> But as I wasn't the only one feeling it, and I mean, you you have considerably less end of world anxiety than I do, and you noticed it. Mm-hmm. I did, yeah. It was a so weird I, feeling. And we weren't the only ones because you mentioned that someone posted in your Facebook group that they saw an apparition of a child out at Six Mile Mall. Yeah. Pretty sure this was in the last couple of days. Right. Which means this is all happening around the equinox. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wonder if that's got some bearing on all this. It could be. I mean, maybe that's what it's tied to. I don't know. It's pretty weird. But now, on with the stories. Rebecca, first off, I love your show. I started it this spring at the start of Turducken in the U.S. and just caught up the last week of August. Wow, good job, Rebecca. Uh, I drive a lot for work and your show makes my day go a little better. A little bit of background. I'm several years older than my sister and have since married and moved out of my parents' home while she is still attending high school and lives with them. The family home is a 100-year-old farmstead on a lake in Minnesota. The current house is about 100 years old itself, but we have a summer kitchen and several buildings slash foundations and old farm equipment, including the original two-bedroom house in the pasture, which we can see from the house. I believe that the original wagon, which the first family traveled in, is even still on the farm. They overwintered in it, and the wife gave birth to twins. Can you imagine? No, I cannot. (laughs) All said, it's really cool, I'm really old, and I found a lot of treasures from the period. Now to what's going on. I myself am not sensitive, and I've never actually seen or felt anything paranormal. If I do, it's usually after a scary movie or show, and I don't think that counts. I used to be terrified of seeing ghosts, and would sometimes even sleep with my Bible and envision a brick wall around myself when I went to bed so I could feel comfortable to fall asleep. My sister seems to be more sensitive, however. After I left for college is when she says things started happening. She was about 12 at the time. Now, we each have our own bedroom, but our closet is its own hallway connecting our rooms. After I left, she started hearing tapping and scraping on the other side of the wall in the closet. If she leaves her closet door open, her cat will not stay in the room, although it will check on her. If she closes the door, her cat will cuddle up. One night, she was FaceTiming with her boyfriend at the time, and he went quiet. She was facing so that her back was to the open closet door and he could see into it. He took a screenshot and sent it to her. She hasn't told me what they saw, and I haven't seen the picture. I don't want to. Things seem to have quieted down a lot now, but her most recent experience is that her closet door freaking rattled. She checked all the windows, made sure the laundry machine was off, nothing was open or on, and all the animals were accounted for. 
Again, I've never experienced anything myself, and I've never felt anything in the closet even after she started telling me this. The attic is a little creepy to me, and it's right above our closet, but not terrible. I have a few theories of what may have caused this activity to start and decrease, including my own unwillingness to experience anything. Stress, change of occupants, the attic renovation from a few years ago, bringing some stuff up from the old buildings when I was younger, and some mental illness. She burns incense and smudges regularly and seems to be handling the situation well. But we're still curious about it. Personally, I don't think it's positive, but it hasn't been distinctly negative either to my knowledge. I just want to make sure my sister stays safe. Any ideas as to what could be going on? You know what? Yes. (laughs) Oh, do tell. Well, I have the same relationship with the lair at the end of our ghost walks. We end the walks at 930 in a haunted room. And that is the room where as guides, we have to go in, set it up, you know, grab the tools for the ship, that kind of thing. And then we leave and we go and meet the group. So you're in there by yourself. And right from day one, I felt distinctly uncomfortable in there. Uh, There is a ghost who said to be attached to the room. But from day one, I put out a mental block like I don't think I've ever put one out before. Um, Basically, just this energy emitting from me that very clearly says, I don't want to know. I don't want to see. I don't want to hear. I don't want to feel. You be who you are and do what you want to do. I want nothing to do with it. Sounds and like I a have Metallica song. Yeah. <laughs> but I have consistently put that energy out and nothing has ever happened to me in that room. Other people have either not believed it and things have happened or really want to see something or, or hear something or whatever. And it happens. So I think she's actually more sensitive than she realizes. But what she's done is she's learned to block it pretty early on. And right, so she the, was sort of spared. Wall, yeah, yeah. When I read that, out. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Because that's far more than a lot of people do. So. I got to say, too, I love that the cat will yes. come in if it's open or yes. if it's closed. But if it's open, he'll check in, but he won't stay. And that's yeah. so cat. It is very cat. It's like, oh, hey, danger. Okay, I'm out. Well, yeah. And he's not going to do a lassie. No. And, you know, like, meow, hey, moron, go close that door. It's just like, no. oh, you want to live with Satan staring at you. Okay, that's fine. That's well, right. I'll be Enjoy. In the Enjoy your yep. time. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be in the uh, other room. Yeah, smoking <laughs> cigarettes and watching Captain Kangaroo. This story comes from Ken. I'm a 27-year-old Army vet who now works for a fire safety company in Georgia. Once a month, I'm sent to my old high school to do a routine inspection and have been doing so with my boss for almost a year. This school is abandoned because a new one was built. This past month, my boss sent me there alone. Thinking nothing of it, I began to do the inspection, and while I was in the theater, heard from around the corner what sounded like two people talking. When I checked it out, there was nothing there but a dark corner. And that's when you leave. (laughs) A little creeped out by this, I continued on with my work and made my way to the lunchroom, where I remembered the stories about a famous football coach who died of a heart attack there many years ago. When I was almost there, I heard what sounded like an older man coughing and glanced up to see what looked like a shadowy leg moving around a set of lockers. Convinced I was just being paranoid again, I continued with my work and throughout my time there continued to see shadow figures, hear footsteps and slamming doors all around me. Almost at my breaking point, I went into one of the last rooms I had to inspect, the old art room. I turned on the lights and walked halfway into the room before one of the wall lights blew up and sent sparks all over the place. Safe to say I got the heck out of there, cussing and all. 
The next day at my office, my boss told me he always got the feeling he was being followed by something, and the art room gave him the creeps. He talked to the previous art teacher, and she swore up and down it was haunted. I will not be headed back to that school. No, until next month. Thank you guys if you do all read this, and I look forward to buying both of y'all's books, hopefully signed copies if there are any left. Keep doing what y'all are doing, and thanks again. Well, thank you, Ken. Yeah, very kind. If you want to pick up signed copies of the books, Ken, we, we have them at ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com, and they come in and out of stock all the time just because, weirdly, I don't know, they sell, which still blows my mind, but they do. So, uh, But yeah, the, the, if, if, if it's out of stock... Shoot us an email and we'll let you know as soon as they come back in stock. But th- there are plenty there at the moment. Beautiful. As far as safety inspection goes, is an exploding wall light a giant red flag? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I don't know much about regulations. You would think. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The ghosts are trying to burn that place to the ground for the insurance money. No kidding. Yeah, that's their plan. So they can retire to, I don't know, where ghosts go. I assume Florida. Oh, Right. I just read a Stephen King short story last night, actually. You may know it. It focuses around a young man and he has a fiance and she's missing. And he says to the other people, they're all waiting for a train to come because their their train broke down. And he walks all the way into town and finds her in a honky tonk and she's listening to music and she's enjoying it. And then uh, he starts noticing how people around them are kind of reacting to them or, or, or not reacting to them. And through the course of the story, you discover that he and the other people waiting at the train station were all killed in the train accident. And while they think it's just been a couple of days, but they're not really sure. Right. It's been 40 years. And, oh, shit. And the sign on the train station that everyone reads as no loitering actually says no trespassing because it's going to be demolished. And so the girlfriend, the fiance, and he go back and try to convince the others, hey, you need to leave while we can. You, you got to go. We're all oh, dead. Interesting. And, um, and she says to him, like, he's like, how can we do this? And how can we do that? And she says, well, expectation with intention is far more powerful than just intention. Right. So it was, it was really well done. It was a really neat take on, on, on kind of a, a ghost story. What's cool about that is it, I thought you were going to say that it turns out they've been dead all along. Cause I mean, with most writers, I think that would be the twist. Mm-hmm. But with this, it's, okay, yeah, they're dead. And now what comes next? Exactly. And the other people actually get angry at them. Like, how dare you say it? But they can tell they all know. Oh, interesting. But they're terrified to move on. And because he now has this, he now has this um, understanding, he can see them for how they really are. Right. Right. Like burnt and crushed and he can now see it. But uh, they don't want to hear it. The other ghosts don't want to hear it. And so they don't. It's really interesting. What's cool about that is that kind of ties in a way back to our conversation on the mini episode about evolving past toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you, you've got more knowledge. You look back and you realize you can see these people for what they are. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then it's okay to move on. Full circle, Ian. Woo! Full We're circle. good. <laughs> Goddamn right we are. <laughs> Our next story comes from Samantha. I have so many stories I could share, but I'll just start from the beginning with the first I can remember. I was about five years old and we lived in Edmonton, Alberta. Oh, this story is horrible right off the bat. It was the end of January and we all know how cold Canada is in January. Minus 35, minus 40 degrees Celsius, minus 31 in Fahrenheit. It was my parents' anniversary and my dad had taken my mom out on a romantic getaway weekend. Gross. 
So my cousin Teresa had come to babysit for the weekend. Eventually, it was time for me to go to bed. In my room, there was a framed picture of Belle from Beauty and the Beast on the wall. And I had a double bed, which was pushed up against a wall that had a window. The door and my closet were on the wall opposite the bed. I was one of those kids that had to have the closet door closed. Oh, amen, sister. And my bedroom door open, oh no, mm -mm, to sleep. My closet was the kind that has folding hinges and runs along a track. It made a lot of noise when it opened. Well, sometime in the dead of night, I was woken up by the sound of one side of the closet opening. Right away, I opened my eyes and was facing the wall. So the first thing I saw was the picture of Belle. The light in the room wasn't great, but enough I could still make out her white and blue dress. I turned my head to look at the closet, which was now half open, and then quickly turned my head to see if my bedroom door was still open. It was. While I was doing this, it started to get quite chilly in my room, but I didn't think too much of it, as it was winter. I sat up and was immediately fear-stricken, because there, at the end of my bed, was a figure of something. I could not see its face. All I could see was a black outline and its arms extending onto the bed. Strangely, its hands had white gloves on. I stared at this thing for a moment, but did not scream. After a few seconds, I got out of my blankets and started to crawl towards the thing. I kid you not. So I crawled over and decided it was a good idea to touch the glove. Why not, right? As soon as I got a few inches away from touching it, both of its hands shot straight up and it was then I screamed. I ran to my parents' room, totally forgetting they were not there, ran frantically around the house thinking this thing killed my parents, only to run into the basement, smashing into my cousin who was coming to check what was wrong. I told her there was someone in my room and that the closet was open and frantically telling her she had to come and see. Well, of course, we get there and nothing was there. The closet was still open, but no Michael Jackson wannabe to be found. I did not sleep alone for the rest of that weekend. To this day, I know I see things, whether it's at the corner of my eye or I thought I saw a full person walk by when there was really no one there. But those stories and more will be told another time. So th those are great, Samantha. Thank you so much. Yikes. You know what's really crazy is that's the second story we've had, uh, I think even a second listener story, about a shadow being with white hands. Remember mm -hmm. we, we, we talked about pervy Mickey Mouse? Mm -hmm. oh, I'd like to watch. <laughs> and it's, he's doing the same thing here. He's like, no, no, don't touch Mickey. He just wants to see. <laughs> no, that's, that's crazy. I wonder what the hell is up with that. I don't know. I wonder if anyone else has experienced that with the white hands. It'd be interesting to hear. Yeah, if you have, let us know. Ghoststoryguys mm -hmm. at gmail.com. Uh, mm -hmm. We always want to hear. And I promise not to do the Mickey Mouse voice again. <laughs> he tells lies. <laughs> Our next story is from Courtney. And Courtney was generous enough to send us a ton of stories. And nice. we're going to fit in as many as we can. So all my life, I've been involved in the paranormal. And both my mother and I are really sensitive to these things. I have tons of stories, but we'll only tell the main ones. The house we lived in was two stories, with a kitchen and living rooms downstairs connected with a hall, and the stairs in the living room. The first story takes place when I was around the age of five and fell asleep in the car on the way home with my mom. My mother carried me inside and laid me down to sleep on the couch, facing the wall. At one point, I woke up in absolute fear, and the only thing I could think was, do not turn around. It felt like something was right behind me, and I had the prickling feeling you get when you know someone is staring at you. When I woke up later, everything was back to normal. This next story takes place in the same house. My mother and I were in the living room and we were sitting in a lounge chair and I was in her lap. 
We were laughing and just messing around with each other. Then next thing I knew, I was airborne. I remember looking up at my mom from where I landed on the floor, all confused, and she looked just as confused as I was. Why are you on the floor? She asked. I countered with, why'd you push me? (laughs) My mom went on to say she didn't push me. She couldn't remember that she suddenly shoved me off of her onto the ground. Afterwards, I just climbed back onto my mom, and we kept playing, but I think something slightly took over my mom for a second. My third story again involves the same house and was told to us by a friend of the family, who had a key and came over when no one was home. He decided to sit in the living room and wait for us to come back, and before long, heard the back door slam and called out for us. There was no answer. Instead, he heard the kitchen cabinet slamming. Getting up to investigate, he saw the back door was closed and no one was in the kitchen. Then he turned towards the hall and saw two red eyes staring back at him. Needless to say, he booked it the hell out of there and refused to ever come back. A few months after we moved out, a new family was living there, and the house burned down. They never found a cause. Next story. We lived in a house that was part of a huge building that used to be a store, but they transformed it into a bunch of homes. It always felt weird, and my siblings always said they would see people on the roof who weren't there. Once, the rest of the family went to the store when my brothers stayed home to play games in the living room. When we came back, they were all outside waiting for us. They said they had been playing games when they heard footsteps and saw their beanbag chair sink as if someone was sitting on it. Whatever it was then got up and walked towards our parents' room where the door was open and there was a clear view of their bed. They said they saw an imprint or a sort of outline of a body sink into the bed, at which point they bolted. Yeah, that's the right move. Thank you for the stories, Courtney. Mm-hmm. The pushing thing is kind of interesting. I don't necessarily think it was the mother that pushed her, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, mean, I know what you mean. I know there is that thing. And I, there's a name for it in French, and of course I don't know it, but it's the call of the void. Okay. And for our listeners who aren't familiar with it, basically it, it's that voice in your head that when you are standing at a precipice tells you to just jump. Even though you don't, you don't want to, you're happy, you're not depressed, you're not suicidal, but there's this rogue impulse that just says... And what happens if we step off the edge? It Mm. it also can cause people to push people close to them over the edge. Right. There was actually a woman in, I want to say Washington State, who was charged for this. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was hiking with her partner and she just, it happened. She just, over the edge. And it wasn't that she wanted to. As I understand it, based on my sort of admittedly limited recollection of the case, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't like, uh, you know, consider this a divorce. (laughs) But it was just the call of the void, this rogue impulse, again, when you're, when you're up against that. So, I mean, I guess it's possible that, you know, the, the dick move part of her mom's brain just went, eh, fuck you. Yeah. But, I don't um, know, I, though. I think, no, I think being a mom would kind of override that. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And, and I, I, I don't know. I feel like the fact that the mother was confused about it. Because mm-hmm. with this kind of thing, when you've done it, you know you've done it. Exactly. Yeah. There's no confusion. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting that mm. just the sensation of being pushed. I mean, we've talked about being pushed on the show many, many times before, so that's not yeah. exactly a surprise. No. Mm. Thanks, Courtney. We appreciate you sending it in. Yes, thank you very much. Mike sent this story into us. I've always been sensitive to the paranormal and rarely had friends, family believe me. Ugh, that sucks. I was introduced to a Ouija board around 14 years old when camping. We spoke to a mama and my uncle Mike who passed mysteriously after coming home from Vietnam in the 70s, which sounded harmless and we had fun. I ended up buying one and using it at my house out of curiosity 
as I've seen orbs in the past and woken up to footsteps, etc. Later that year, I had a few friends over and we decided to take it out. We set up three candles, one on the card table we had the board on, and the other two in the corners of the room. At first, it was the typical, quit moving it, I know you are, type of deal. But then one of my friends, a skeptic, said, if this is real, prove it. All three candles went out. The one on the table spilled hot wax on the board, and the doors of the basement started to shake. My friend's phone, the one who asked for proof, went off. His phone had dialed 911 over and over again. Bear in mind, it was a flip phone. We all lost it, and as dads do when teenagers are being a pain in the ass in the middle of the night, mine stomped downstairs to figure out what the fuck was going on. He does not believe in this stuff, and basically told us to get a grip and quit being pussies. (laughs) All four of us didn't sleep the rest of the night and kept all the lights on. Yeah, I think that's a safe thing to do. (laughs) After telling my parents I wasn't lying, my mom told me to take the board out one day and let my neighbors use the planchette. She asked a question regarding my Uncle Mike, which was supposedly the spirit that we were in contact with. She asked a question I didn't even know the answer to. What was missing when they found your body? My two friends spelled out W-A-T-C-H, and we were confused. My mom went white and threw the board out immediately. Later, she told me that when Uncle Mike's body was found in the French Quarter of New Orleans, where he moved after Vietnam, his watch was missing. For months after, I would wake up to my dog growling at my closed bedroom door, drawers opening and closing, and my name being yelled in my ear. I was raised Catholic, and my mom sang in the choir there. I was also an altar boy. Shut up, Brennan. (laughs) I'm not sure. He listens to the phone. I listen to the show quite a bit. I'm sure I don't know what you mean. Uh We had the church pray for us, and things got a bit better. I still have moments when I walk into my parents' basement, and I know something is watching me. First off, thank you for sharing that, Mike. But I'm just thinking now, was that truly your uncle who lost his watch? Or was that pervert Mickey Mouse telling you what it is he likes? Oh my God, stop it. <laughs> you promised pervert Mickey Mouse wasn't coming back. I lied. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, no, thanks for sharing that, Mike. You know, I've, I still have never mucked with a Ouija board and I'm just not in any hurry to, you know? No, no, no. This reminded me of a story. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to hang out at the video store a lot. This will shock everyone, I'm sure. We had two video stores in town back then, and my uncle used to manage the better one of the two. Right. But uh, for whatever reason, I stopped hanging out at that one for a while, and I started hanging out at the other one. You know, it's, it's like, let's not go to that Denny's, let's go to the good Denny's. Right. And so I was hanging out at this video store, and the guy who ran it uh, was named Graham Provincial, and he was also a radio host on the local radio station. Right. And I remember, I was probably in my early teens at this point, so I'm just the loser hanging around, keeping this yeah. guy company during his shift. But um, I remember him telling me that, and I, Lord knows how the conversation came up, but he was once present uh, at a Ouija board uh, event. You know, mm-hmm. like, Jesus Christ, a Ouija board event. He was present when people were playing with a Ouija board. Right. And he wasn't. And he said, yeah, you know, I don't really believe in this kind of stuff. But he said, they were playing with this thing. And he said, man, after a few minutes, whatever, they were contacting something, as he sort of put it in air quotes. But he said, it was like all the air went out of the room. I've heard that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He said it was just for a few moments, it became hard to breathe. And he yeah. said, I, yeah, I didn't know. The whole know. atmosphere changes. Yeah. Yeah. And so he said, I, I'd never experienced anything like that. And he said, I just kind of, I got up and left. He said, I, w- I was done with this shit. Oh, I get that. 
I wonder if the the fact that it remained had something to do with them not closing off the board. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I don't know much about Ouija boards, but I do know that's pretty important. Or you're basically just opening a window and saying, hey, hey, come on in. Stay as long as you like. Yeah. And again, it's all about intentionality, right? Yeah. It's like a conduit. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mike. Mm-hmm. This story comes from Sam. This took place in 2018 when my boyfriend Ryan had recently moved into a new condo with our mutual friend Jack. I can't say anything necessarily happened physically or typical ghost activity, but this condo had a feeling. The condo wasn't an old building and wasn't in a neighborhood with a history, and for the most part, the feeling in the condo was a positive one. However, that happy mood changed the instant you made it to the stairs that led to the second floor. The first day they had moved in, I had come over, excited to see the place, and oftentimes got there before Ryan got off work, as he worked nights. I was sitting on the mid part of the stairs talking to Jack when I looked up to the second floor landing. That whole part of the house felt heavy and dark, and it felt like someone was standing at the railing of the landing looking down at me. And I had a hard time looking away. The only reason I didn't get up to leave was that I was still in the light of the living room. Ryan and Jack both felt something off there too. The doorway to the master bedroom put all three of us on edge, and to me it felt like someone was standing in the doorway, and it made me uncomfortable to cross the threshold of the master bedroom. For a time, Jack did have the master bedroom, but shortly after moving in, he wound up moving down into the unfinished basement to use that as his bedroom instead. So that meant that Ryan would be taking it. Neither of us liked to stay in there for long by ourselves, and on nights when I wasn't over, he'd sleep with his TV on. He often told me that he felt like something was looking at him from the far right corner of the bedroom, closest to the bedroom door. When I slept over, I felt that not only was there something in the corner of the bedroom, but also in the big walk-in closet. I remember stepping into it, and it felt sad and heavy. The closest to anything really manifesting was one night when Ryan and I were in bed watching ghost story narrations on YouTube. As we were watching, my eyes kept wandering to the closet door. I'm not sure how I can describe it, but my eyes could make out an outline of a person. It wasn't like a shadow person, it was transparent and blurry. The three of us never liked going up there by ourselves, and it showed through the fact we'd often spend our time in the living room. Of course, in classic horror movie tropes, their roommate Kyle would brush us off, insisting that the condo felt fine, and that we were all being ridiculous for thinking that the upper landing could have something staying up there with us. He thought he was really smart for not believing in ghosts, you see. Yeah, those kind of guys always do. <laughs> Me and Ryan have talked about moving in together for the coming year, and he has brought up moving back into those condo units. Personally, I'm fine with it, but I hope we don't move into that particular unit. I'd rather we move into a condo with a not-haunted master bedroom. <laughs> and Sam, yeah, I, I'm with you. And, right? <laughs> I would like uh, heat and hot water included if yeah. possible, and no ghosts. I actually did sell something on Facebook Marketplace, and I put not haunted as part of the oh. description. <laughs> did, did, did that help it move faster, or did it take longer? No, it actually sold quite quickly. <laughs> Gotta start doing that. I, think with, I think with Facebook Marketplace, it all just comes down to price. I'm not gonna lie. Please just take it. <laughs> yeah, it's hey, it's free. It's got a demon attached. Is that cool? Yeah, man. Can you deliver it? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I have some stories. Oh, I believe it. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> uh, Sam, just thinking about in terms of, you know, it's a new build, and it, but it's still haunted. I, I am very much of the, of the belief that it doesn't really matter if something has happened in a place. Right. Me too. I, I think that I think that can affect a place, but I also think the nature of the land can have something to do with it. Yeah. I've really felt this uh, since I've been doing this delivery job because uh, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but when you're doing it, but. There are a number of new buildings here in downtown Victoria that really feel 
like there's something going on and they are brand new. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's this building up off Blanchard called the Azuro. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, I do. And I've had to deliver there a handful of times and I don't like it because the parking sucks. But in addition to that, it feels really unpleasant, especially on the upper floors. It's got, I, I can't explain it. It just feels like you're moving through this cloud of unpleasantness. Like there's something just out of reach. Oh, wow, eh? And it's, you know, ostensibly it's, it's a fancy building. It's got hardwood floors in the, um, well, probably laminate, but in the uh, entryway, common laminate. Come on. <laughs> Would you lose a war? <laughs> it's a nice looking place, but it, it feels like a hospital and it, it just feels like there's something there. So yeah, I don't think a place has to be, uh, has to be old for it to be haunted. Yeah. No, me neither. Christina sends this story in. I really enjoyed listening to your podcast, and I'm actually re-listening to the show starting back with episode one. Oh, God, episode one. So painful. You know that, that episode has been downloaded more than any of our other shows, and that oh, makes me incalculable. So embarrassing. <laughs> it's like, let's watch the old family movies on VHS. That's what that feels like to me. I think that would be an improvement. So painful. Anyway, re-listening to your episode from April 2018, The Thing in the Woods made me remember an experience I'd forgotten about from my childhood. I'd gone to a camp up in the Mormon Lake area. The first night of camp, the head of the camp decided to share a ghost story about an old man who walked the woods who happened to have the same last name as me. Oh, good. That'll calm you right down. I remember being a little unnerved by the name Revelation, but hoped that the name was just him pulling one at random from the camp roster. I didn't expect anything to actually happen, but weird things continued to happen all week. We'd hear footsteps in our small cabin at night when all the girls in the bunk were in their beds. We'd flip on the lights. Nothing was there. Things would go lobbing through the air. And one time, a large rock dropped from above and landed next to my friend and me when we were alone, walking in the woods away from camp. Perhaps someone could have thrown it, but the rock was about the size of a softball and it came straight down from above. No arc. The intensity of events increased as the week progressed, until towards the end of the week, a few of us in the cabin became so freaked out, we went to the camp counselors in tears after hearing loud footsteps and mumbling in our cabin after lights out. We were terrified and we would not go back to our cabin. They brought us over to the owner, the man who told the story about the ghost with the last name, Abby, and told him what was happening. The man was surprised and said he had no idea that one of the campers had the same last name as the man in his story and that he'd just made it all up. He even commented that he was careful not to pick a name that a camper had. We apparently not that careful. <laughs> we eventually calmed down and went back to our cabin. The strange thing? For the rest of camp, nothing weird happened. No voices, nothing being thrown, no footsteps. It just all stopped. I still wonder, was it the collective fear and imagination of several girls who caused it all to happen? Maybe someone was playing a joke? Or what if something was there and just took advantage of the situation? I don't think I'll ever know. But after that week, I had no interest in going to any summer camp ever again. Well, I mean, that's the right choice. (laughs) I think that, yes, I think an energy was possibly feeding off of that fear. Right. Um, I think that story established that kind of fear buffet um right and then something went oh yeah and that was it it was sort of it was sort of game over i worked at quite a few summer camps given my previous job as a youth worker in the church right. 
most of them had a presence of some kind. Um, oh, really? Yeah. The Anglican camp that's now closed on Thetis Island actually had a tree dedicated to one of the counselors who drowned a number of years earlier. And the main house, which is where the staff slept, if you weren't a counselor, if you're a counselor, you slept in the cabins, which by the way, are said no electricity. No electricity. No electricity. No. So you're, so you're going camping in 1845. Pretty much. Yeah. They Hard were pass. basically wooden shells with wooden camp beds and they would pick up their mats on their first day of camp and haul them down to the, the bunks. And that was it. That's all that was in there. There was no electricity. There was uh, netting over the window, no glass. Um, yeah. It was pretty hardcore. Anyway, Unless Jesus can pull up. some ET magic with his <laughs> finger to charge my phone. I'm not doing this. But the staff all stayed in this house called Hennage House, which was Major Hennage or Colonel Hennage, one of them. He and his sister established the property and the house. They were, you know, British kind of upper class. He retired to Canada, couldn't find a wife. So he had his sister move over here to take care of him. Mm. We didn't look at that story too closely. Um, she would distill lavender water i believe okay. and yeah and but they both died and they left the house to the Anglican diocese to be used as a children's camp but i very much got the feeling that they were still there that it was very much still their house and, and distilling they, lavender water and making everyone uncomfortable at dinner parties pretty much yeah oh so, yeah. so you guys are together oh we're brother and sister oh we're brother and sister oh okay that's cool i'm weird there's only one bedroom huh. um so yeah it was <laughs> well apparently it was quite a common thing after world war one because all the men were dead of so course. there was tons of single women and no one to marry them which is what you did back then. So yeah, right. this apparently was not that unusual. Although to our ears, it sounds pretty weird. But no, um, there's definitely presences at that camp. So as I'm reading that story, I'm totally having flashbacks. <laughs> Sadly, the camp is shut down. I believe the land sold. Oh, uh, All the buildings are still there. They're just boarded up. So it would be extra creepy now. But I was just thinking that would be great for like Twilight photos. There are some photos that someone took about a year ago because the camp's been closed for quite a while. Right. Um, and they're pretty intense. Really? Yeah. Do you yeah. have a link? Do you, do you if I can find them, I will send it. If we can find those photos, listeners, we will put a link in the show notes. For sure. So thank you for that story, Christina. This story comes from Simon. And we answered part of Simon's email on the most recent mini episode. So if you're listening to this right after that, you'll notice a little bit of overlap. But this story was not presented there. Simon says, so I wanted to bring up something that you uh, Sorry. <laughs> Boy. Sorry. Simon says. Simon says. I'm shutting up now. Thank you. You beat me. I'm just to shut up, Ian. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to bring up something that you guys mentioned in episode 92, Shapes in the Closet. The question that was posed was, can extreme non-believers block other people's ability to pick up on things? Ian's response was pretty adamantly, no, Brennan wasn't so sure. You felt that some people's energy might act as a blocker. I couldn't stop thinking about this because I think I have been involved on the flip side of this coin. So I want to pose the question, can you be opened up by an extreme believer? Yeah, okay, I can now hear Brennan's maniacal laughter. And I mean, you, you can, Simon, you just got to use a lot of loop. Exactly. <clears throat> I am uncomfortable with how quickly you agreed with that. <laughs> Put it this way, I was a pretty fierce non-believer. If I'm being honest, I was afraid and didn't want to know the possibility of weird stuff in the universe. So I had no experiences. That is, until I met my then-girlfriend and now wife of 15 years, Louise. 
She told me stories of her childhood and the house she grew up in and was still living in when I met her. On a side note, Simon is going to write this story up in full for us sometime, so we've saved all the details he provided for when we have that story. Oh, perfect. Now, I found the stories interesting, and I trusted my partner's sanity, so I sort of had to believe her. And just like that, it was like somebody flicked a fucking switch. Shit starts happening around me. Stuff at her house that I can't put down to overactive imagination, but then bigger shit when I was back in my own place. Shit that would not fold up neatly and be stuffed away into the miscellaneous envelope in the back of my mind. One of the biggest moments involved me being late to work. Rushing to get to the bus stop, which was opposite my house, I grabbed my bag off the kitchen table, opened the front door, and stepped halfway out. I only paused when the little boy, no older than six or seven, pushed himself through the gap between my leg and the doorframe. He continued on into the kitchen. His little gray uniform, satchel over one shoulder and gray school cap, disguised any obvious facial features, but I knew he was a boy. The weird part? The whole thing was so natural, and for want of a better word, normal, that I didn't react. I closed the door after him, locked it, crossed the road, and my bus arrived no more than 30 seconds later. Not until I sat down at the rear of the bus did my brain suddenly say, Wait, what was that? How can that be? We all know that ghost sightings are supposed to make your hair stand on end, your toenails curl, and your heart pound. This one, well, this didn't even put me off my commute. And after this sighting, I went on to find out things that had been happening to other residents of the street of houses I was living on, and it served only to confirm my belief in what I had seen, although I never saw him again. So this has to be an example of my wife opening me up, doesn't it? Yep, still funny. No argument here, Simon. <laughs> and I respect you for being brave enough to try. <laughs> and if a believer can't open up a non-believer, I would have to say that a non-believer can't shut down a believer. What do you guys think? Anyway, thrilled to get the chance just to send you this. And in the typically British manner, I will say thanks, old bean, for all your hard work. And then give you a both the firm, sanitized handshake. And if you want it, I will send you the full story too. Uh, please do, Simon. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, in the current world situation, if you try and shake my hand, I will hit you in the face. But, no, you uh, won't. You'll throw something at him. Uh, of course. Of course. I always Silly. I bought these throwing <laughs> stars on eBay. I, I got to use them. <laughs> I've only cut myself 18 times, which is pretty good, all things Pretty concerned. good. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, Simon, again, I, I still believe that that's possible. And funny enough, I was just listening to Mysteries and Monsters, uh, the most, not the most recent episode, the one before that with uh, Barry Taff. And he has apparently done some actual research into this and thinks that it's possible if you have the right two people in the right situation, one kind of acts almost as like a, a focusing lens. Okay. So the way he put it is one person is kind of the generator, you know, like they provide the, like sort of the organic energy for this thing to feed off of. And then the other person kind of acts as like a, a focal lens. So it's because he's been in situations where he, he experiences things readily. But when other people are on their own, they don't. And then with him, they do. And it's almost like he thinks that, that the right the right person can kind of yeah amplify that. Okay. See, now here's my theory. Go for it. I think it's a bit like you're driving and you see some deer and the other person doesn't see the deer. And the other person says, hey, look, there's deer. And then the other person sees them and then they can see the deer for oh, the rest okay. of the trip. So, so it's the other a bit like just helps being made aware. It. Yes. It's right, being made aware. Right, like, right. do you sense something? And that other person kind of checks in with themselves, maybe opens themselves up uh, uh, and, and sees what else is out there. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I, mean, I that, don't that think it can change your baseline sensitivity. I think it can help you focus your baseline sensitivity. Right. But I don't think it's going to change it. I still stand by that. 
Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I know in cases of um, like hardline skeptics that, that things generally don't change. Like years ago, I think it was uh, a professor at somewhere in a university in Ontario, he developed that God helmet thing. Oh, okay. That, that helmet that like uh, stimulate, use electromagnets to stimulate your brain. Oh, um, there's actually a university in Northern Ontario that has a room they call the ghost room. Okay. So it may even be the same kind of idea. And you sit in the ghost room and they turn on these massive electromagnets. And they found that, yeah, people start feeling uncomfortable. They're like, they're being watched. They feel the hair on the back of the neck goes up. Like, yeah, it's very interesting how it affects our own energy. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason I bring it up is because this helmet was tried on a prominent skeptic. It might even have been Dawkins back when people gave a shit about him. Right. And he felt nothing. Hmm. So I, I do wonder if some people, especially certain hardline skeptics, if, if part of this is informed by a kind of just magnetic insensitivity of the brain. It could be 100%. And, and just like some people have no sense of smell or they're, you know, hearing impaired or whatever. Some people just don't have that sense and that's okay. Yeah. And they can't be <laughs> opened up. Oh, God. Thanks again, Simon. Her next story comes from Jessica. I am the oldest of four children, and when I left for college, the youngest brother, Parker, got my room. This meant that if I decided to come home, I would have to find a place to sleep. As a result of this, I rarely came home during college, which I think was my parents' plan all along. When I would come home, I would either sleep in one of my siblings' beds if they were gone or at a friend's house, or I would have to sleep on the floor or a couch. Not an appealing situation for a college co-ed. On one such occasion, when I was home for a weekend, I decided to sleep on the large sectional couch in the living room. Our living room had large glass windows and doors that looked out over the backyard and sat between the garage and my siblings' bedrooms, which made sleeping in the living room hard because there was light coming in from outside, and there were always people passing through and very little privacy. It was the middle of the night, and I was sleeping on the couch, when all of a sudden I woke with a start because I could feel someone standing over me. I opened my eyes to see my little brother standing next to the couch, staring at me in the dark. In my nastiest older sister voice, I hissed at my brother, Parker, what do you want? With no sound at all, this dark figure, which I thought was my six-year-old brother, slowly and simply disappeared. I lay in the dark, opening and closing my eyes, trying to figure out what the heck I just saw, and I said to myself, oh, hell no. Turned my back to the dark, buried my face in the couch cushions, as I was just too tired and too lazy to find another place to sleep. I never did figure out what I saw that night but I sure as hell did not sleep on that couch again. Thank you for this podcast. My husband and I enjoy falling asleep to your smooth, spooky voices. Oh, well, is that her nice way of calling us boring? Uh, I'm not sure about that. One of my oldest friends falls asleep to our show, so I, I, I'm not too worried about it. Oh, Pete does. Our, our friend Pete in LA. Oh, of course he does. He yeah. said he falls asleep. Yeah. So I, I again, boring or soothing. I'm not sure which. We'll go with soothing. I love this part in the story about her saying in her nastiest older sister voice, Parker, what do you want? Because when I was in Alberta doing vacation Bible school, right. we had dinner with a family and the older sister was around 23, 24 and she was teaching at a school, but she still lived at home. And her little brother was like six or seven. He was like a big surprise baby. The little brother was out of control. No one could control him. And the parents, I mean, they're old, right? Like they checked out. They're like, whatever, kid, do whatever you want. <laughs> so as a result, this kid was just a holy terror. But her mom said to me, the only one who can control him is his sister. And I'm like, really? That's so interesting. 
So we're at dinner and this kid starts acting up like a complete monster. And she leans over and she whispers something in his ear and she leans back and this kid just settled right down. And, um, he was good for the rest of dinner and then dinner was over and he left. Well, the mom clears the table and the dad left and was sitting there with his sister. And I said, I have to ask, like, what did you say to him to calm him down? Like, that was amazing. And she kind of looks towards the kitchen to make sure her mom isn't hearing. And she goes, I just said to him, sissy's going to snap your fingers off if you don't settle down. (laughs) (laughs) And Apparently, this is how she kept him in line and her parents had no idea. But I never, ever forgot that story. I mean, that's like over 25 years ago, I heard that story and it makes me laugh every time. Iron fist and the velvet glove is child rearing strategy. Totally. And it totally worked. But yeah, I never forgot that. (laughs) That child grew up to be Dr. Doom. (laughs) He's still broken. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, no doubt. He's got a lot of pictures with the eyes cut out. (laughs) Thank you so much for that story, Jessica. Our last story tonight comes from Grant. I'm currently an airman in the United States Air Force and deliver food on the side and recently came across your podcast as a way to pass time during my deliveries. Hello, fellow food delivering brother. (laughs) I just finished episode 76 where you guys talk about hauntings on military installations and I figure I'd share my eerie experience. I'm a C-17 crew chief for a base on the East Coast. C-17s are giant cargo aircraft. My job includes everything from inspection, tire changes, and other odd repairs and maintenance. But the story I want to tell you guys takes place a few years ago. It was a warm summer night, somewhere around 1am. Me and a few other airmen were tasked out to go run engines to troubleshoot some issues the crew was having. No big deal, we had done this many times before. The jet we were going to has been notoriously famous for some weird and unusual activity. The story behind this particular jet was that it was used for a human remains mission some years back. On the way back from overseas, a couple of the caskets had been tipped over during flight. Ever since then, strange activity has been going on in that jet. Other airmen have claimed that they have seen shadows walking about the flight deck and cargo area. Footsteps have been heard walking about the plane, and there's an overall eerie feeling that you're not alone. Everyone knows that this plane is a bit supernatural, and as a courtesy, we leave the last sidewall seat down to make whoever it is feel more comfortable. It should also be noted that some of the airmen are not aware of this courtesy and put the seat back up. However, whenever we return, the last sidewall seat is always back down. But anyways, back to my story. We were setting up for the engine run, and me and a fellow airman were sitting in the flight deck waiting for clearance to start engines. I had placed my phone in the cup holder behind me and was not easily accessible since I had to stand up to get it. I was reading over the maintenance manual waiting for the all clear. Then we heard over the radio that we had the all clear to proceed. And that's when it happened. The whole jet went dark instantly. All of the lights went out, the emergency lights didn't switch on. This was extremely strange, since we had two sources of power going into the jet, so if one source failed, it should automatically switch to the other. Also, when a jet loses power, alarms will sound. We had both heard an alarm, but it wasn't familiar, and more faint than usual. We tried to pinpoint where it was coming from, but it wasn't the plane. That's when we realized it was coming from my phone behind me. I stood up and grabbed my phone and realized it was dialing 911. I quickly ended the call, the alarm stopped, and the jet suddenly came to life again. Me and the other airmen both looked at each other puzzled and shook up at what just happened. It was a warm summer night, but the flight deck was unusually cold at that moment. With the cold, a wave of uneasy feeling came over the both of us. 
This whole experience was only about 15 seconds, but it sure was strange, and none of us can explain it. Maybe it was just the spirits of some other service members playing a couple of jokes on us. I mean, I can't blame them. They sure got us good. Anyways, we finished up our work as fast as we could and made sure the last sidewall seat was down so as not to upset the spirits and ran off. So thanks so much, Grant. That That is cool as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything on jets I find fascinating just because it's such a, a high technology environment. It's kind of the last place you expect to have something like this happen. It's very cool. Although there is that famous story about the Eastern Airlines jet crashing in the Florida Everglades. It was like a brand new plane. And a lot of people died, including a lot of the flight crew, maybe all the flight crew. Eastern decided that because the plane was so new, they would scavenge parts from it. And the parts that went into other jets, the crew and even some passengers repeatedly reported seeing certain very recognizable men on the plane. At one point, there was an emergency and this sort of guy kept pointing at a switch and they... And that was what was wrong and they fixed it. And, but in the end, Eastern had to pull all the spare parts out of the other planes because the hauntings just wouldn't stop and the stories wouldn't stop. Really? Yeah. So not as weird as you'd think. I guess so. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is fascinating. What I find particularly uh, interesting about the story Grant told us is the 911 thing, because that's the second story on this episode where someone's phone dialed 911 on its own. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the Ouija board story. That reminds me of the story I tell about my friend and I having a chat outside of St. Anne's Academy one night. We'd been standing there for about half an hour just leaning on the low wall chatting. And that was about 10 o'clock at night when two police cruisers pulled up, or pardon me, a police cruiser pulled up, and we were asked if we were okay. Hmm. We said, yeah, we're, we're fine. Why? And they said, well, uh, you haven't seen anyone come by who looks like they're in, in distress. And we said, no, we haven't seen anyone for a little bit. And then uh, another cruiser pulled up next to them. And I heard uh, officer one say to officer two, they say it's not them. They say they're fine. So the second car drove off. And I asked the first officer, I said, what's going on? And she said, we got a 911 call saying that there was a couple standing in front of St. Anne's and they're in danger. That's weird, eh? Yeah. And I remember you telling me that story. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd never seen anyone come past in the last, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. Man, maybe you were in danger. <laughs> well, I mean, I know uh, Humboldt can get pretty hairy at times. Yeah, no, that's true. I think I'd be moving on after that. Oh, I did. Yes. <laughs> I did. Like, okay. Time to go home. Take care. <laughs> Even when it's busy, it can be kind of dark. Um, mm-hmm. I was out for a walk about two weeks ago and it was a really, really dark night. And I turned down Humboldt and it it was crazy busy because I I don't know if you know this, there's a massive Netflix production in town. Oh, okay. And they were shooting some stuff at St. Anne's. So they, it was like full on crew. They had multiple trucks, a couple dozen people um, milling around lights, all that shit. But on the opposite side of the street, it was deathly quiet and it was dark as hell. Wow. And uh, I got to the Humboldt Vancouver and I was going to keep going. And I thought, nope, you know what? I think it's a good time to go home. Well, you just got to listen to those instincts. So thanks again for that story, Grant. Thank you to everyone who sent in your stories. Man, mm-hmm. we love reading your stories. We really do. We, we learn from your stories, to be honest with you. Oh, do we ever? Yeah. So much. Yeah, huge. So, so much. And I mean, we, we haven't done a sort of a, a, a random stories episode, like a, like a written episode in a long time. And it's just because we get so many of these great listener stories. Mm-hmm. That That's I right. Just, 
rather share those. Uh, and if you want to share, send us an email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. That's the best way to do it. You can also reach us via the ghost line, which we'll talk about in the next segment. But in terms of submitting a written story, email is the best way. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our patron shout outs. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, to the rest of the team, Luke Greensmith, Anthony Germain, and Sarah Kent for their work on this and every episode. Can't tell you how much we appreciate you guys. Don't ever leave. Oh, God. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you can leave if you want, but I'll find you. Stop it. All right. So first up, we have our patron shout outs. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our most recent patrons. And they are Crystal K, Julie Formanic, Kimberly Stubblefield Jacobson, Melissa K, C Star, Stephanie Segafredo, Kimberly, Tabitha Doyle, Simon Chapman, Emma Jane Shelton. Someone who remained anonymous. And if you would like to update us, uh, send us a message and let us know because uh, we'd love to thank you. Chua View, Jeremiah Ralphs, and Richard Workman. Thank you so, so much, guys, for your support. We just can't tell you what it means to us. To have a, a reliable source of income during all this craziness is a wonderful thing. It, it really is a gift, and it's it's all it down is. to you. So thank you so, so much. Yeah, we are crazy grateful because at this point, we literally could not do the show without you. Well, so thank you so, so much. If you want to join the team, head on over to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. That's patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have tiers at the one, five, ten, twenty, and fifty dollar levels, and there's all kinds of good stuff. Exclusive stickers, our monthly live show, our monthly cabin fever shows, which are a chance for me and Ian to kind of shoot the shit, socialize, and talk about personal stuff that just doesn't fit into the main shows anymore. We also have Luke's monthly Lukelore podcast, which is a deep dive into a folklore topic of his choosing. At the higher levels, there's things like art cards and my night photography, exclusive magnets, and of course. Ian's smash hit Christian country album, <laughs> Aware of Wonder. So again, you can find all of that at patreon.com slash guys. And if you don't want to become a patron, you can't become a patron, but you'd like to support the show, you'd like to send a one-time gift, you can do that by going to paypal.me slash guys, or by sending a payment via PayPal to guys at gmail.com. And we'll absolutely shout you out on the show. And we're working on putting together a little thank you package for people who donate at a particular level that way as well. Uh, we haven't finalized that, but again, we'll, we'll let you know on the next show. And until then, if you do want to give on PayPal, head to paypal.me slash ghoststoryguys or send it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. If you have a story for us, we would love to hear it. Always. We love your, your comments, questions, your gentle criticisms. Very gentle. Brennan's very, very sensitive. Well, a little rough. Simon gets it. (laughs) But does he? And do we want to know? We we really don't, Simon. We really don't, Simon. We really don't. But you can reach us at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. That's, uh, again, for all your feedback. We're also on Twitter at twitter.com slash ghoststoryguys. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash ghoststoryguys. And we're on Instagram at instagram.com slash theghoststoryguys. But... If you've got a comment, question, or general criticism, and you don't want to type, you can always call the ghost line. There's something strange in 
Again, the number is one 588 6920 Or you can text us at 925-553-4789. And we will read those messages as much as we can fit in and play those calls again as much as we can fit in on our mini shows, which will be out next week. It's still weird getting used to saying that, but I'll, I'll find a way to make it sound all good and professional eventually. I hear you. If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, head on over to our website at ghoststoryguys.com. Follow the links to our Public and Redbubble stores. You can find all kinds of cool stuff, t-shirts, stickers, mugs, notebooks, all kinds of cool stuff. We have designs by artists like Becky Campbell, Bob Vasquez, and of course our classic logo designs. It's all there, and you can find it at ghoststoryguys.com. Follow the links to our Public and Redbubble stores. If you want to buy signed copies of our books, head on over to ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com. We also sell magnets, postcards, um, all other kinds of cool crap over there. And the stuff in that store always changes. So usually once we sell out of something, we don't have it back again. We'll try and get something different in, unless it's something that's crazy popular. We're going to be restocking the art cards pretty soon. So keep an eye on the web store and you'll see a bunch of new, uh, a bunch of new art cards of My Night Photography over there. If you want to follow us on our personal social media, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Largely the Truth. And I'm Ghost Story Guy on Instagram. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Helps bumps the show's visibility, and we certainly appreciate it. Our theme song, Radio, Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter of Pizzanta Music. You can find him online at soundcloud.com slash Music or wherever you stream your tunes. Our story's theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. You can find them at hexagram.bandcamp.com. That's hexagram with two X's, not three. Or by searching for Hexagram, wherever you stream your music. All other music and sound effects on this show are come courtesy of Epidemic Sound. If you're looking for pod-safe music or sound effects for your next project, head on over to epidemicsound.com and check them out. I guess that's going to do it. I think so. We'll be back next week with our mini-show. And until then, into the darkness we go. Just, I just want you to wear this fake mustache. Yeah, right. And let me call you Barry. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to recognize the genius of my inseminary joke. Oh. <laughs> I did not catch that the first time. Maybe it's the time of day. I could be. Yeah, I bet it is. Suspicious either way. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I don't trust it. Things are going well. That's my next tattoo. <laughs> Just stop it. I made no promises. Please. I'm full of tacos. I recorded that. I'll be deleting this afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagining you sampling it. You're you're putting it in a soundboard right now. Okay, I, I said that way too sexy. You <laughs> did. No, no, no. It's fine. It's, <laughs> this is what literally what they're paying us to do is to talk. So weird. <laughs> I know, right? Spent most of my childhood being told to shut up. Well, not here, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm watching you pee. <laughs> stop it. <laughs>